This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Peter always answered. 
Peter was like me, I guess. Uh, whenever a question is asked in the group, Peter's going to, if he don't know the answer, he's going to come up and say something because if, how many of you are like this? You can't stand the awkward silences. Like five seconds of an awkward silence and I've got to put something down there. We have connect groups at our church. Uh, we meet during the weeks and we, we sit in living rooms. And we literally study the Bible together. We eat together a lot. Uh, we do a lot of things. Um, but, but one of those things is study the Bible. We ask different questions. And I always love to see sometimes a question is put out there that's kind of a, not a trick question, but maybe a difficult question to answer. And I love to see just how long the group can wait without someone just having to say, well, and then they come up. And in that moment, you know that what they're saying, they're just, they're, they're grasping. They're trying to think of something. If you're like me, I don't like awkward silences. I don't like them at all. And Peter, much of the same. He asked a group of 12 disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter, the spokesperson, answers and says, you are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had when he had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever, sorry, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We're going to take just a few minutes this morning and deal with this question of who do you say that Jesus is? Heavenly Father, guide my thoughts, guide my words. God, hide me today behind the banner of your word and your cross. I pray that we would leave here today not with a, a pastor on the mind, not a preacher on the mind, not a musician on the mind, not a song on the mind, but with our Savior on our minds, front and center. God, today as we rejoice in the fact that not only did you send Jesus to live a perfect life, but you sent Jesus to die a sinner's death, our death. But you didn't leave him there. You sent Jesus to rise in victory. And God, we celebrate that today. We thank you so much for the truth of the resurrection. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, I want us to see this morning the lostness of the masses. The lostness of the masses. Verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the town of Caesarea Philippi on the road. He asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. We see the disciples confirming with Jesus that the majority, the masses, the, the men, the majority of the people in the culture of that day did not see Jesus for who he said that he was. 
They acknowledged the fact that all around them, there were people who denied that Jesus was the Messiah that he claimed to be. In fact, one of Jesus's most bold 12 disciples, Peter, we already talked about him. You know what Peter would do? He would deny Jesus. He would deny him three times on Jesus's way to the cross. We see not only that, we see another disciple known as Doubting Thomas. We see ultimately one disciple, a devil, the Bible calls him Judas, that would ultimately betray Jesus. The struggle of doubt and the lostness even of those that were within the core of Jesus' friends. The small group of men that Jesus led. It was clear to the disciples and to most people in their culture that they did not believe this man, Jesus. In fact, John 1 tells us in verse 10 that he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. And can I be real with you this morning? If you ask me an honest question today about our culture and our society in 20, the year 2019, and, and, and Jesus were to say, hey, who do the men, what is the culture, who do they say that I am? I think our answer increasingly has to be, well, they say, some religions say you're a good, you're a good man. You're a prophet. I mean, nothing really bad to say. Historically, there's facts that you existed, but I believe if that question was asked for us today, we, we would have to acknowledge the fact that we live in an increasingly, increasingly secular, non-believing environment. And we exist today in a world that is lost and without Christ. I am convinced that churches all around the country and around this world this morning are filled with people who very well may be lost and without Christ. Those that see Jesus not for who he truly is, but who they need him or want him to be. You see, the fact is that just like in that day, we live in a day of lostness. And let me just say this, if you see Jesus for anything different than who he claimed to be, then you do not know Jesus. If you, if you know Jesus in a way that he is just your genie that you rub when you need three wishes granted, then that is not the Jesus of the Bible. If Jesus is simply, here we go church people, if Jesus is simply your get out of hell free card that you just use, you'll use one day when you pass over Jordan. Let's speak in Christianese. When you, don't, none of you know what passing over Jordan means. When we pass over Jordan one day, I'm going to pull out my get out of hell free card and I'm good. No, these men sought him for whatever Elijah, one of the prophets. We live in a lost world. We live in a lost society searching for who Jesus truly is. But secondly, I want us to see the question, the pointed question to the men. So we saw the lostness of the masses, but let's see the pointed question to the men. He follows up the question of who does everybody else say that I am? And he gets very personal. And he looks at those men and he says, but who do you say? He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are 
Christ. Jesus quickly transitions from a broad statement of what does everybody else say to asking the most important question that any man, woman, teenager, boy, girl, anybody will ever hear. And that is the question of who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? And that question literally holds your entire life in the balance. It literally holds your happiness in the balance. It literally holds your eternal destiny in the balance. And that question is, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he your phone a friend? Is he your co-pilot? You remember those bumper stickers? Y'all know, y'all know about the co-pilot. If Jesus is your co-pilot, you need to get out of the car. And you need to let, not, not only do you need to let him drive, but you need to hand the title over. That ain't your car. That's him. You need to sit down and shut up and sit in the back seat. Sorry, kids. Said the shut up word. My daughter's going to let me know about that later. Is he your genie who grants your wishes? Oh, you know what? We don't quite have the money to go on vacation this summer. Let me rub my Jesus genie and maybe we'll get to go on vacation. At the end of the day, what do you say that Jesus is? Is Jesus simply your 911 call when life has gone to all the way to hell for you? Is it, oh no, I'm in need. Oh no, what am I going to do? I guess I've tried everything else. And like the old time where you say, hey, when all else fails, call on Jesus. No, before all else fails, call on Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Is he simply a historical figure? Do you have questions? Or is he your personal, real Lord and Savior? Is he your master? Is he your friend? Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And every single person alive today and every single person that ever has been alive on this earth has got to reckon with that question. They have got to stand before God. Did you confess with your mouth? Did you believe in your heart? Did you call upon the name of the Lord? Peter answered him in this verse that you are the Christ. And notice he didn't say you are of Christ and you say, why does that matter? Well, back in that day, historically, Christ was somewhat of a title that was given. And he says, no, 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 you're not a Christ. You are Jesus, the Christ. And Jesus goes on then to predict exactly what we're celebrating today on Easter Sunday in verse 31. He says he began to teach them that the Son of Man, Jesus, must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and after three days, rise again. We serve. If you serve the Savior this morning, then
then you serve a risen Savior. Do you not serve a relic? Do you not serve a, a Savior whose grave you can go visit once a year? You do not serve a, a, a figment of someone's imagination? You don't serve an experience that someone else had? You serve a risen Savior who lived on this earth, died on this earth, rose from the dead on this earth, and has ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven and awaits His family and His children one day. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a risen Savior. The resurrection is the most amazing feat that has ever occurred in human history. There's a lot of amazing things that have happened in our world over the several thousand years that we've been here, but nothing more amazing than death coming to life. Nothing more amazing than the crucifixion of Jesus followed by the death of Jesus. And by the way, when he rose, followed up the, the resurrection of Jesus, excuse me. When he rose, he claimed victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave. And no other Savior has ever risen from the dead like Jesus. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus sets biblical Christianity apart from any other belief system. That is the ultimate trump card. That is the ultimate play. That is the best hand that can be dealt. And that is the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. In fact, a well-known former atheist, you may have heard this man's name, Lee Strobel, he wrote a very popular book called The Case for Christ. So let me say this if you are here today and you are a skeptic, I will say this, skeptics are welcome. In fact, next Sunday, you're going to hear about it in the announcements, next Sunday we begin a series, a short series, three to four weeks, simply where is God when life goes wrong? And it's, it's dealing with your doubts and your skepticism and your, and, and your, your, your distrust. We start that next Sunday. But let me say this, Lee Strobel went from an atheist, an unbeliever, a denier of Jesus Christ into the author of the book, The Case for Christ, among many other books that he's written. He recently said this in a quote, I didn't become a Christian because God promised I'd have an even happier life than I had as an atheist. Rather, I became a Christian because the evidence was so compelling that Jesus really is the one and only Son of God who proved his divinity by rising from the dead. It's a game changer. What we celebrate today, believers, what we celebrate today changes everything. Unbelievers, skeptics, doubters, those who wouldn't say that you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, let me say this this morning. This is what sets everything apart. If you can believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You see, we can all believe that he died. There's historical facts. In fact, this morning, as our girls were getting ready, we were watching some things, uh, some, some different things that are on Netflix and, and whatnot, showing what led up to the crucifixion, showing what led up to the resurrection. We watched some of those things. It was really, there's historical fact about the crucifixion. But at the end of the day, if you can buy faith and fact, believe in the resurrection, that is 
the game changer. That is the game changer. So what needs to be done about this? This question of who do men say that I am? They say you're a good prophet. But what needs to be done about this question, who do you say that I am? Let me, let me pause. If someone wants to say that he's a good prophet, can I call you out on that? A good prophet does not claim to be the son of Almighty God. If he's not a good, if he is not Jesus, and he claims to be the son of God, then he's a crook. He's a liar. A good prophet does not claim to be the son of God if he's not the son of God. C.S. Lewis said it this way, he is either liar, lunatic, or he is Lord. So please don't come to me with the argument, oh, I believe Jesus was a good man. No, he wasn't. He was not a good man. He was either the God man or he was a horrible man. There is no in-between. There is no in-between this morning. And I'm just laying this right out here for you on Easter. I love you. I'm laying this right out here for you on Easter. Jesus is either a liar, he is a lunatic, or he is Lord of all. So they answer the question, who do men say that I am with the, one of the prophets? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers that question with, you are the Christ. And that's the answer. But what needs to be done about that? Thirdly, this morning, I want us to see this, the call to follow me. Or the call to follow Jesus. Look at verse 34. When he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Will you simply acknowledge the existence of Jesus with your intellect? Will you just simply give Jesus a shot until you find something better or that makes more sense to you? Or will you deny yourself, repent? Will you take up your cross, believe, and not be ashamed of him? And will you follow Jesus? You do understand that when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says things about losing their life, like it meant physically for them being killed. Like you will lose your life for my sake in the Gospels. But you will save it because of your faith. Jesus basically tells his followers that if you do not give yourself wholly to him, you will in turn attempt to save your own life. And when you attempt to save your own life, you will fail. You will end up losing your own life. And he ends with a really tough question. If you've listened to me thus far and you've stayed with me, and you're like, honestly, I'm a skeptic. I'm not really sure where I'm at in this thing of Jesus. Jesus closes with a question that ought to be firmly planted in the front of your mind today. He's asked this question, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world 
and he loses his own soul. Can I put it in 2019 vernacular? Hey, what good is it if you're a success in every way possible in our culture and society, but you die without Christ? The American dream, you ready for it? Make good enough grades to go to school, take out a massive student loan, be tens of thousands, maybe even over $100,000 in debt when you get done, start out your adult life trying to pay off your student loans, work your way up the corporate ladder, have somebody tell you when and what you gotta do all the time, but make good money, live a good life, buy a nice car, buy a nice house, by the way, go into debt for all of it, be paying on a house for 30 years, I know, we just, we're under contract. Make enough money, put some money in retirement, pray you got a decent enough job. Want to be able to retire and enjoy yourself. I've often said if I retire, I'm in Orlando, working at Disney World. That's where you'll find me, at our South Campus, Keystone South in Orlando. We will establish that. I feel the Lord leading. Is that it, though? You die, and you either leave what you have, what money you have accrued to your kids, or you leave what debt you have accrued to your kids. Is that it? Seriously. What does it profit you if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? This is the good news of the resurrection. We call it the gospel. You may have heard that word. And the gospel is simply the fact that God loves you so much that he knew that you were going to sin. You see, what we can't explain about God, and I love this, by the way. If you ask me questions, if you're a skeptic, you're a questioner, if you ask me questions, you're going to come to me oftentimes, and I'm going to say, that's, a, that's an unanswerable question. Here's one. God exists in no time. No time. And God's watch is not 2019. It might as well be Resurrection Day. It might as well be 2035. God exists in and through all. I can't explain that. He just is. And God knew that you one day would be born and that I one day would be born. And God knew that if you're like me, merely breaths into my being, I would begin to show my sinful nature. However that may be. Mothers and fathers that have had kids recently, you know it. The sinful natures are keeping you up at night right now. Not letting you sleep. In all seriousness, by the time your children get of the age to make choices, I think we all understand that more often than not, they make the wrong choices. You don't have to teach them to make wrong choices. You've got to teach them to make right choices. The gospel says that we're a sinner. There's wrong choices. That sounds really nice. It's called sin. And it's developed in our heart at a very young age. We're born with that nature. Left to ourselves, him to know it you're good, and do it, does it not to him, it is is sin. Left to ourselves for sinners. And God knew that. And he knew that sin would demand a verdict. The wages, the verdict, the payment of sin is death. Somebody has to die to pay for sin. Somebody has to die to pay for sin. That's the punishment. That's the wage. It's not my world. It's God's. Don't get mad at me. 
It's his world. Wages of sin is death. And so the question this morning is simply this. Are you willing to pay for your own sin? Are you willing to accept that wage for your sin and die in your sin? Or, or are you willing to look to the Savior this morning that we have sung about, that we have preached about, that we have quoted in his book? Are you willing to look at the sacrifice that he paid on Calvary's cross for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life? And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's not through coming to church. It's not through appeasing your spouse. It's not through appeasing your parents. It's not through going to work and putting in an honest day's work. It's not about donating to some charity that needs donations. It's not about coming to this church. It's not about dropping a check in the offering plate. It's not about any good work that we can do. It is through Jesus Christ and the crucifixion and the death and the burial and the resurrection that he offers. This morning I simply want to ask you two questions. And if you would do me the, a favor this morning and simply block everybody out of your view and just think. Put yourself in a circle. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. Don't worry about what else is going on around you. I want to ask you a simple question. The first question is this. Who do you say that Jesus is in your life? Can I word it maybe a different way? What will you do with Jesus? This morning you have been given a clear, obvious truth from God's word. What will you do with Jesus? There are two options. You can reject him or you can accept him. You can deny him or you can believe in him. Can I follow it up with a second question and we'll be done? What will it profit you if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? In the stillness of this moment, answer that question honestly. What does your life matter if you experience all the highs that our culture can give you and you die and you lose your soul? You say, Josh, you're trying to persuade me this morning? Yes. I am. In fact, come back next Sunday. I'll try to persuade you again. You know why? Because I believe it. Because if I believe what the Bible says, I believe that those who accept and believe in Jesus Christ have eternal life with Him in heaven and have the Holy Spirit with Him right now. And Jesus comes in and changes lives. 
But if I believe that, I have to be intellectually, academically, and theologically honest with what this book says. And I have to be honest and I have to say that if you choose not to believe, not to accept, and you choose to, re and you choose to reject, I have to be very honest with you this morning that according to this book, the wage of sin is, is death. And that death is not a physical death. We'll all face physical death. That death is a spiritual death. It's separation from God for eternity in a place called hell. And I don't know about you, if somebody has paid my sin debt already, please, I accept the payment. I accept the payment. Please. It would be as if today we left and we, we went to the Angus farm. That's what I'm talking about. That's Easter right there. We went to the Angus farm. And you're eating with your family and you say, you know what, we, we've saved the money, we're just going to splurge and have a good time, order whatever you want. And man, you go all out. You order appetizers, you order drinks, you order your nicest steak or whatever you get there, and you eat all that free cheese, man. Mm. And those un that unleavened bread, you take communion there, it's great. Look, they come by with the dessert tray. And they're like, I can't really decide. And so you get three of them. And you run that tab up. And that tab says 600 bucks for your family of four. You're like, mm, all right, we're going to do it though. We'll pay it. That's a tough one. We'll pay it. Imagine that you came to pick up your tab. And they said, I hate um, that gentleman over there, he took care of yours. He took care of it. Well, hold on, 600 bucks, yeah. That guy right over there took care of it. What would your response be? I think our logical response would be to go to that man and say, thank you. What, what did I ever do? To deserve that. By the way, if y'all want to meet, we'll probably go to Angus Barn in the next couple weeks. I'll make sure I'll let you guys know that we're going to be there. We'll run the tab up, and you guys can see this in action. You'll see how grateful we will be. Just kidding. You know what would be foolish? Once again, we're just being real here. I know it's Easter, and it's like rah, rah, rah. We're just being real for a second. You know what would be foolish? It's for you to go to your server and go, hey, listen, I know the tab's taken care of. The 600's already been paid. He even put a tip on there. It's already done and you've already closed it out. I tell you what, would you reopen that? And would you re-ring everything through? And would you please take my money as well? You say, how foolish. But you know what? If we die in our sin, that's literally what we're doing. Jesus, I know that man right over there hung on that cross and he was, he was buried and three days later he rose again and he paid my sin debt for me and boy, my tab is long. And I was a big one. I was a big one. That's not just me in this suit. I was a big one with my sin. I told somebody I'll go oversize Easter egg today. I'm sorry. But my sin, my tab was, was long. And it'd be like me saying, 
you know what? Thank you, Jesus. I did it. Intellectually, I know you did it. Please let me go pay for it myself. No, I think the wise person, I think the person who, under, who has any type of discernment would say, if Jesus has paid for my sin, Already. Number one, I'll accept it. Number two, I will be forever indebted and grateful. Number three, I'll spend some time doing my best to show him respect and honor and in whatever way I can repay that debt. This morning, Jesus has paid your debt. And what will you do with Jesus? Can we bow our heads together? This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.